you truly don't have to compromise when it comes to performance when looking at your investment portfolio and wanting to invest with companies that are socially and environmentally responsible. And maybe you already knew that. And so you went and invested in a portfolio that had an ESG label slapped on it. But do you know what's actually inside that portfolio? And if you had the time to do a deep dive, you might be surprised. Luckily, during this interview, I speak with someone who's gone through those portfolios and saw things that really took him aback. And he decided to do it better. And he is Corey, the CEO of Balance Capital. is creating a simpler and better way to invest when it comes to the environment. So make sure you check out this entire interview to see why maybe you should take a deeper look into what you're actually investing in and what the actual options are out there for environmentally responsible companies. You are here for another dose of climate positivity on the Green Business Impact Podcast. Here we highlight the amazing work of green businesses from around the world that are fighting against climate change. If you are ready to be inspired to take action, ready to hear some amazing examples of how we are working to fight the climate crisis, then stay tuned because this week's episode will be the perfect hit of climate positivity. Corey, do you mind telling us a bit about Balanced Capital and what you guys do? Sure. Thanks for having me on today. Excited to have a chance to talk to you a little bit. What my company does, the reason it really started, I've been in the financial industry for a while now, but about a year ago is when I finally decided it was time to really do this and take it out on a bigger level, really. But Balanced Capital, the entire purpose of my company is to bring people a better way to invest when it comes to the environment. And in particular, it's a response not so much to traditional finance. A lot of people think that's my cause, where it's I wanted to go against isn't quite the right words, but they thought I was trying to be the antithesis of just regular investing. And to be honest, more of what I'm about, and it's not that there's anything wrong with a lot of the ESG funds or SRI funds that you find out there, but the problem I was trying to solve is if you open up the majority of those and actually look at what's in them, a lot of people will be surprised because what happens, and this might catch you off guard, but uh, big finance, if they know people want something, will find a way to sell it to them. So what's happened with these ESG funds in particular is as they realized there was demand for these, well, they can slap an ESG label on just about anything and people will buy it. And those people buying it have the best of intentions, but the problem is unless you take the time and do the work to actually take the cover off of it and see what's inside of there, you don't have any way of knowing how environmentally friendly it really is. So I wanted to solve that problem, not just the problem of investing for the planet, but a better way of doing it than what's commercially available. So that's the reason for why we exist. So we bring to market a series of portfolios that are designed to be transparent in both how they're composed, how they're built, and how they operate and do so in a way that tries to reduce the carbon footprint of our portfolio as much as possible. Yeah, that's really awesome. And how do you expose that and make it as transparent as possible? By letting people see everything that's in it is really the end of the day. I don't want people to just invest in something that has an ESG label slapped on it. When we talk about your portfolio, we actually talk about what's in it, not just that you're in the green portfolio, but we look at the stocks that are inside of it. We talk about what those companies are doing that allows them to be in the portfolio, or what some of the old companies did that got them kicked out of the portfolio and how that relates. So my clients don't just see a label on their investments. They actually see the investments inside of their account. So when you work with your clients, like you guys go through and say, okay, these are the different companies in your portfolio here. And these are the reasons you give like a high level 
overall summary of it. So like your client doesn't have to go through and say, oh, I have to dive into each company individually and all of this kind of stuff, but you give the high level summary of it all for them. It's different for everybody. I want my clients to understand what they're doing as much as they want to, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yes, I have definitely. some people who love to go in depth and I have fun doing that. Don't get me wrong. But I also have people who we have an initial conversation about how I build this portfolio and they say, that sounds great bug me once a year and <laughs> that's the end of it. They just trust that what I'm doing is what's best for both them and for the planet. Cause that's where you're trying to marry that where it's what are people trying to accomplish both in terms of their finances and in terms of what they want to see for the planet. So I have them all over the spectrum. I love going in depth, but I also have plenty of people who that's the last thing that they literally hire me so they don't have to go into depth. So I'm not going to force them to. Definitely. I got you. And what's your mission behind bringing about balance capital. Yeah. What I want to say with balanced capital is the overall mission of it is that I really think there is opportunity for people to affect change when it comes to the environment with their investments. There's a very common phrase that the most effective vote you have is actually your wallet. It's not your ballot at the end of the day. And what my goal is, it's hard to accomplish unless we get critical mass behind it. And that's how a lot of these things go. But the overall concept is this idea, most publicly traded companies, their leadership is paid, they're compensated by stock options heavily, meaning they have a huge vested interest in the share price of their company going up. That's where if enough of us get on board and start doing this, we can actually start to sway their decision-making, right? Not because we're going to convince them they should care about the planet, but because we can actually have some effect on their wallet. And the way that works is if enough of us want to start buying Ford stock right now because they're making a ton of electric vehicles, we can start buying it. As enough of us start buying it, we put a whole lot of demand onto that share price and we'll cause it to rise. And that's the kind of effect that we could see happening if it gets back to Ford that their stock price is rising because of what they're doing with electric vehicles they might start doing more with electric vehicles. And other companies might see that too and say, I would love for my pay to go up because my share price is rising. Look what happened to Ford. We should probably do that too. There is a broader way to do this here. Now, I'm not dumb to the fact that like me and my clients aren't going to make that happen. We're just not. There's a hundred of us. And so I, I know that we alone aren't going to change it, but it's hard not to have that broad goal when it comes to this concept. When I look at the whole idea of investing for the environment, that's the power it could have if this idea picks up enough traction. Definitely. And that's a lot of this whole idea around like climate change and everything. It's like this very broad thing, this very massive thing and this huge ordeal that's going on is like, how much can an individual person have on the planet is a big thing. We're very minuscule when it comes to that, when it comes to the seven, eight plus billion people that are on this planet, like what can one single person do? But I like to think of a lot of things having ripple effects on your impact might not be direct upon, you might not be working with somebody one-on-one -on -one as a client, but they might have come in contact with you or seen one of your posts or something else and might have completely changed their perspective on the way that they're investing. Maybe they went and said, maybe I don't know whether it's just an ESG label slapped onto my investment portfolio. Maybe I should go and talk to my portfolio manager and say, hey, like, where are my investments going? And maybe because of that initial post they saw from you or because of something coming across from you in some way, your impact is so much larger than you can really feel in just the 100 people you're impacting. You have this ripple effect that can really impact a lot more people and can really sway entire movements. So it's it's more than just that. Oh, and you're doing a great job. Oh, I see it a ton right now. I live in the West and there's a huge drought. You might've heard of it. And mm -hmm. I'll bring it up every so often. And it drives me nuts as I get just constantly struck down by 
of the people, I'll bring up things like, hey, maybe you should stop watering your yard every day in the middle of the day. Let's be smarter about that. So yeah. It's not my fault. It's agriculture that uses all the water. And it's hard because they're right at the end of the day. 80 some percent of the water in my state gets used by agriculture. But what bugs me is people want to say that and then pretend that they can't change anything. I understand mm -hmm. that by changing your watering habits, you're not going to fix the drought, but it's going to do something and it's better than nothing. And it's just that. <laughs> These small, simple changes people can make, they don't because they view the problem as someone else's problem, not their problem. And when we have so much more power than we even can foresee or can really even grasp on how much more power we can have. And it's great that you bring that up too, because it's extremely important. And so what was your reason for getting into this space, wanting to really dive into this. I know you have a background in finance a lot. So what kind of led you from to break free from corporate finance and come and start your own company here? There were a lot of factors. Wanting to pursue green investing was one of them. At my prior firm, if I had clients who wanted to look into ESG investing or green investing, all I could really do for them was those funds I'm talking about. I could offer them some ESG funds, point them in the right direction, but I couldn't really do it. That was one of the motivators. The bigger overall factor with wanting to leave big finance and do it on my own. Big finance does a lot of things right. They do, but they also do a lot of things wrong. And what I grew really tired with was when I had a problem with the organization or when I saw something that needed change or an opportunity, I wasn't even allowed in the building that had the room with the table where people were having that discussion. I was so far removed from being able to actually do anything about it that I struggled with it. I used to struggle with when I worked at a large firm, explaining how I got paid it was like a 10 minute conversation because it could be so many ways that can be simple. It needs to be simple and transparent. There needs to be better ways. There's a better way to do this. And going on my own gives me the control and the flexibility to do that. So those were the biggest motivators. It was a lot better just around that idea of, I knew how I wanted things to look, but that couldn't happen unless I was doing it myself. So it was time to make a change. Definitely. And when did you decide to make this change and how long have you been working on this on your own? Yeah, it was May of 2021. So a little over a year ago that I did that. As everyone will tell you, when your wife is eight months pregnant, that is the best time to quit your job and start a business. So I followed. <laughs> Definitely. No, yeah, I was very close in your boat. You said that my son had been born and he was about six months old when I quit my job and started trying to go yeah. my own business. Why not? Why not? We'll do it at that time. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. And so what do you feel is the future of sustainable investing in general for the whole industry? The optimist in me would want to tell you it will be a whole bunch of small firms like mine that are doing everything that they can to make a big difference. The realist in me will tell you that these ESG labeled funds will continue to be a tidal wave that engulfs most people who want to make a change. And for credit where it's due, they are better than regular investing. I'm trying to be real about the fact that I don't have millions of dollars to throw at marketing. And so I'm going to lose that battle. But ESG funds serve a purpose. They're better. But I see those growing and growing in popularity. BlackRock is a very large investment firm. And they are very much on board with ESG investing. The good news is they're probably one of the best at how they do it. So if somebody wants to go with a big firm and kind of some brand name type of stuff, that would be a great way to go. They're a good opportunity in that one. I see it getting more and more traction. What people are starting to realize, both because people like me are showing them and they're doing the research themselves, investing in sustainable companies doesn't mean you have to give up any performance. Your investments won't necessarily do better or worse if you do this. In many cases, they'll do the exact same, which is how a lot of investing works. 
but you can filter out a lot of the junk that you don't want in there. And that's what I think, if there's one idea that I wish people could understand more, it's that you don't have to sacrifice your investment performance to do this. You can, if you really want to, but you can invest in a portfolio that cuts a significant portion of the carbon footprint out and not see any real noticeable change to your results. Because that's what I think is gonna to appeal to the masses at the end of the day. There's people who are far to the left who will invest in this even if it made them no money because it's what they feel is right. And that's great, don't get me wrong. But the bulk of people are looking for something they would love to do it better, but not at the expense of their retirement. And what I would love to start seeing more of them realize is that they don't have to give up their retirement to do this. Definitely. And can you give us an example of the client that you've worked with that they were able to shift from certain investments to another, or I don't know how much you can relay on here. I think mineralization is probably one of the better ideas. So I live in Utah, tends to be a fairly conservative state. You may be aware of that. So I have a lot of clients who are conservative on the political spectrum, and that's great and that's fine and dandy. But one of the more interesting swings that's been happening as I've done this is a lot of those people worked with me when I was at a big firm, just a generic financial advisor. And we started working together there. And when I made this shift and I showed them this portfolio, what's been fun to watch is I have some clients who want to invest in it because they care about the planet. But then I have a bulk of clients who, when I show them this portfolio, the simple reality is historically, it's done better than my regular investing portfolios. So people who tend to be conservative tend to care about bottom line results a lot more than anything else. So all of a sudden, a lot of them are also shifting over into these environmentally friendly portfolios, whether they care about it or not, or whether they like it or not. Some of them begrudgingly do it. But at the end of the day, they want to invest in whatever is going to do the best. And in my honest opinion, this is what's going to do better than some of my other portfolio offerings. I can never guarantee that. I have to say that 15 times every time I bring that up. But historically speaking, it's done admirably well. And they see that and they don't really care that it's green, but they like the results. So that's been one of the more interesting shifts to watch is that there's a way this can appeal to everybody, not just those who are super passionate about it. Yeah, definitely. And that, that reminds me of two different things. First one, I was listening to this other podcast called How to Save a Planet. And they have an episode where they interview somebody who's going around and collecting old, I think it's like some gas, like a harmful gas that people have and they're like stored off in these like random places and people like have them on their like properties and stuff, but they don't know how to get rid of them. And so they're coming around and taking them and recycling them and all of this stuff. And they have two different sites. One of the sites for their collection service goes all talking about like the green and sustainability and like how this is great for the planet and all this stuff. And the other side is like completely opposite of that, where it's all like very conservative based and here we'll just take that away from you, but let's rid you of that harmful chemical that might talks nothing about good for the planet or anything else. It's just like completely separated. It's just like very interesting how like you can come at it from either way and either way it's still going to be beneficial because you're either getting rid of that harmful gas or you're helping the environment and all this other stuff. So there's always multiple different sides and it can definitely benefit multiple people no matter whether it's you're looking at a investment portfolio that's doing better just because it's sustainable or green or because people are interested in it being a green investment. So that's going to be very interesting how it's like working in both ways, for sure. Well, I think it has to. I think if you want to tackle the problem of climate change, mm -hmm. global warming, we need the vast majority of people on board. The yeah. problem with that 
is good luck convincing the vast majority of people to get on board because of the environment. But if we can find ways to convince those who don't care about the environment to get on board, that's where the key to success lies. We can convince a good chunk of the people to get on board because it's the right thing to do. But if we can find ways to get those who don't care on board, then we might have a chance at actually making a difference. So I think it's yeah. not just like fun when those opportunities arise, but if we want to look for how do we really make a difference, it's looking for those areas where you can pitch it to both camps and give them both the reason to get on board that appeals to them because you will never convince someone who doesn't believe in climate change to start recycling. You will not. You might convince them that you could, they can make some money recycling their soda cans or whatever it might be. Right? That's a simple example from like the 80s, but there's ways right. that be done that appeals to that side and that's what's going to have to happen or it's never going to work exactly and you can try to hit ourselves over the head doing the same thing and trying to convince somebody or we can find a way that we can connect with them and then be able to use that to get the end result that we all want but get them in a different route but hey it's, it's getting to that end result which is where we want to go it's the appeal of the electric car right you've got people who want an electric car because it's better for the planet and then you've got people for the electric car because it has so much more power than a gasoline engine they don't care that it's better for the planet. They just care that it goes real fast. Those are traditionally people who would have bought a Mustang or a V8 and they're still gonna buy a Mustang, but now it runs on battery. So that's the concept that I think is the power is getting both sides on board because of the different motives. Exactly, or because people don't wanna pay $5 a gallon. It's another way. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Cool. And what do you see as your goals for balanced capital in 2022? Oh geez, for 2022, I don't have all that many business goals for the next few years. And this is a conscious decision that was made. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I get one mm -hmm. shot. So right now I let my business grow as it's going to grow, but I'm not spending a ton of time trying to market it or push it. So I can't tell you I have significant goals for my business. I have goals for my clients and what we're trying to achieve together, but I can't mm -hmm. tell you I sat down and decided I want to bring in 20 new clients or grow by this much in revenue. I just... It's not that I don't care at this moment, but it's not my main priority right now. I It's at a point where we have a comfortable life and we're gonna live that life until another stage when it's more appropriate to grow. But I've got kids that are little and I wanna make it count, so. Definitely, no, I completely understand that. I feel you. I got a one and a half year old and trying to make sure that I'm spending as much time with him as I can. Just like, yeah. that's why we took off for a week to go to Alaska on a cruise. It's, huh. You gotta spend that time with each other. And it is so much fun, the age that he's at now. Cause he's like, we were on the plane and he's standing up and he's just like waving to everybody on the plane. And it's, oh my gosh, you're just like, we can't, he's just great. So yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Definitely. I agree. And I'd like to ask this question. Just, I know a lot of us are continually trying to better our own, the way we are understanding the market and the different pressures that are going on today, all these things. And so what are you currently learning right now to either enhance your own productive self or kind of your business? Yeah. So one of the things I've realized long-term, if I want to continue to grow much past even where I'm at now is I will inevitably need to start hiring some staff and I will be the first person to tell you I am terrible managing people. That was mm -hmm. one of the reasons I left my past job. I had to manage people and I was awful at it. So I've been doing a lot of self-study and trying to learn that skill and how to motivate people, hire the right people, manage them effectively, anything in that kind of realm, because I know I'm going to have to do it at some point, And I am awful 
at it. So I am a phenomenal solopreneur at running a business on my own. But as soon as I have to bring in some help because I do have capacity issues at a point, that's when I know that I am a flaming hot mess. So trying to address that before it has to happen. Yeah, definitely. I spoke with another ecopreneur. His company is called Sheets and Giggles, and which is <laughs> the greatest name. And I loved his whole company. And you definitely just go check out his website because he has such a like, like he uses that as his whole like mantra across the entire site. And so he's, it's really just funny how he does the little quibs and things that he sends out there in different of his pieces of marketing material, but it's really clever and everything. But during our interview that I'll be posting later on in the year, he talks all about hiring people and how he hires people and how he keeps that vibe going throughout his entire company. They've grown to, I think there are 50 people or so now in his company and how he keeps that vibe going, how he keeps the kind of the general appeal of his company growing, all of that kind of culture that's all a part of the company as well. We talk about that in detail. So it was a really awesome and enlightening interview that we did because I never really gotten that perspective from anybody, but he was like really into that. He loved talking about it because he had a really horrible experience with the firm that he was with before. And so when he left that, like he made his company and revolved all around, okay, how do I do almost everything opposite of that company? All the things that I hated, how do I do opposite and create a culture like that? Like that can be really good for him. Definitely connect you with him too, because it was really cool. And I'll send you his interview when it goes live. So it'll be, it'll be great. For anybody who can manage that kind of a team. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was impressive. So for sure, I completely understand that. And what is one tip you would give them for growing their green business or if they're interested in starting their own green business? What is one tip you might give them? So it's easy because hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But the first thing I would tell anybody is just do it already. Don't mm -hmm. keep dragging your feet. There is never a right time to do it. It's never going to feel perfect. It's never going to feel right. You did it just before you had a child. I did it right afterwards. Yeah. Just right after. Yeah. Well, they're terrible times to do it. It's a terrible <laughs> time to do it. Exactly. To do it. Also say once you do make that leap, expect it to take three to four times more work than you expect it to, especially when it comes to marketing. You're going to think you have the best idea in the world and it's going to fall flat on its face, but then you're going to throw the worst idea in the world out there and people are going to love it. None of it makes any sense, but just keep trying because eventually mm -hmm. something sticks. Yeah. I know that's weird advice, but that's my marketing experience so far. <laughs> I thought we're great. We're terrible. And the things that I thought were terrible ended up being my highest viewed stuff. Performance. Yeah, definitely. And I've been doing a lot of research on marketing and all sorts of stuff for small. I have my own marketing agency before this. And so like I started that and what I have found through all the research that I've done and things that I've tried, it's always been like, you just got to test it. Just got to throw as much stuff out there as possible. And eventually something will stick and something will hit and it'll be really great. But until then you don't really know. So you just got to go out and try it. And yeah. it can be really like disheartening because it's, oh my gosh, when am I going to actually hit that moment? But it's, you just got to keep trying. Oh, it's awful. It's when you think you have the best. I've spent months putting together various like events because for a while event marketing was a huge thing. Mm -hmm. and I put together all this time and curate a guest list and send out these invites and nobody would show up. Can't tell you how many restaurants I've sat in alone waiting for people to show up because nobody shows up. But then I'll send out a random email and get like 20 replies to it. 
I mean, I typed it up in 10 minutes. I don't understand marketing. It makes no sense. Either I am completely, either I'm a total idiot or everyone else is a total idiot because we don't understand what's going to work. I think it's a lot of these, a lot of marketers out there, they'll go out and do something and they try it and then it works for them. And they're like, oh, wow. And they go and dissect exactly what they did. They can't ever repeat that, but they go and decide, dissect and say, oh, this is exactly how you do it. But then how do they actually repeat that over and over again? It's, I don't know, because they're like, oh, but it constantly changes. And oh, it's different for every market. And oh, it's different for every audience. So it's- so They probably have a proprietary system that helps you, which that's the right. last thing if you're gonna go start a business is be prepared to be bombarded by messages on LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever you use of somebody who's got this proprietary marketing system made for people in your industry. It's all junk. Don't <laughs> fall for it. My last one. And then who would be, if you were looking to partner with another business to help you guys be able to work together in some way, is there a company out there that might be a perfect partner for you or somebody you might be able to give referrals to another way? Who would be that ideal partner for you? Yeah, I have a different take on that question. I get that one a lot. In finance, sure. traditional wisdom is you know, I'd be a great partner for a CPA or an estate attorney. I don't know if I'm a good partner for them. Here's what I've learned. I'm going to be a good partner for anybody who we like each other at the end mm -hmm. of the day. And that might like be someone that. who owns an accounting firm. It might be someone who owns a soap company for all I know. But what happens that I found is if you really enjoy being with that person, you will find ways to work together that benefit both of you rather than this forced referral relationship that tends to be so heavily pushed in the business world. So I avoid that. I'm of the opinion now where it's, I want to meet people I like and build a network of people that I enjoy talking to and enjoy being around. And we're going to find ways to help each other grow and help each other succeed. So I don't, there's not a specific industry to look for. I'll send referrals to anybody who I like, who I've got someone who could use what you have. So it's not this specific, I want to reach out to accountants or anything like that. And that, that's how I run my business and my life. I always tell people, I don't have a minimum to be a client. I don't have a certain number of clients I'm looking to gain. But the only requirement is we have to like each other because we're going to work <laughs> together a lot. Or if you have $2 million or $2,000, if we don't like each other, it's not going to be a good time for anybody. So definitely, I view it the same way with clients and with business partners is I just want the relationships that I enjoy. And we'll find ways to make it. Yeah, definitely. I have a friend that I meet with every like couple Thursdays and he's an accountant and I'm working with these, this podcasting and all in green businesses. So we don't really have a, a line. Oh, I give you these partners and you give me, but we meet every couple of weeks and it's, we talk about what we're doing in our businesses. He just had twins the other Ooh. month. And so he's, oh. he's dealing with that and we've been just working together and how, what are you doing to grow your business? And what are you doing to grow your business? We just bounce ideas off each other. And it's been like, it's really awesome being able to talk to each other and do all that. And, and it's not really like we expect anything out of each other or anything like that. It's just like a great way to talk and say, where are you at? What are you doing? And what's working for you and be able to bounce ideas off each other. So it doesn't always have to be like this kind of, oh, I refer X amount of people to you every two months or something like that. It's just, yeah. oh, you're a great person to talk to you. So it's great like that. Relationships. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And if somebody is interested in reaching out to you to learn more about Balance Capital or learn more about how they might be able to work with you, how can they get in touch with you? Google Balance Capital and you'll find me on there if you want to learn more about what I'm doing. If you're ever out in Utah and want to go skiing or go for a hike, reach or out for a run. or go for a run. Yeah. Just be prepared. If you come out and want to go hiking together, it's going to be 
you'll end up in a really neat place that nobody else has been to, but it's going to be like a 12 hour affair. So that would be awesome. I'm really big into hiking and running too. So I ran 10 months and oh, you've got paths, so yeah. I enjoy it. I haven't ran a marathon in a while. It's been a little bit of a drought for me ever since COVID hit, but it's been, it was fun. What's your favorite race that you've run? Oh, my favorite. I ran a marathon here in Raleigh and it was called the City of Oaks Marathon. And it was a perfect morning. It was about like 62-ish degrees and clear, sunny, like the perfect weather. And it wasn't extremely hilly, but it wasn't like flat. And so it was just like, it was a really awesome run. So yeah. if you're ever in the Raleigh area over here, definitely hit me up for a run. But if you'd like to run that race, it's a great one. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I always look for the nice ones out there. Ours here are all, if you ever want to go fast, come to Utah for a race. Cause we do this thing where we start all the races at like 10,000 feet and oh, they fit wow. in. 6,000 feet. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. My wife and I have a plan that next year we're going to go take an RV and travel, do a loop around the country next summer. So we'll definitely have to hit you up in Salt Lake. We're going to head south to the desert because that's the best part. Definitely. For sure. Cool. All right. Thank you, Corey, for coming on the show. It's been really great having you on and talking about all sorts of stuff, not just about finance and sustainable investing, but also a little bit about running and business growth and all that. So I think it was a really great conversation. And I'm sure that everybody listening in had a really great insight into what we're doing here, what you're doing at Balance Capital. Possible. So I think we did a good job. So. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And if you enjoyed this interview, learning all about how Corey is finding a better way to invest when it comes to the environment, then I invite you to check out this interview with Sunify, where you can invest in their solar farms and receive your own little piece of the sun and make an impact towards sustainable investing. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Green Business Impact Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing your weekly dose of climate positivity. In a world that constantly inundates you with the negative things happening, it can be great to take a break and hear some great things happening in the world. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the latest and best interviews of the top minds in the green industries. Thanks again, and we can't wait to see you back here next time for another hit of Climate Positivity.